KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, just feeling that. And uh, it is time for our daily deep dive. I'm excited about that. I get to meet somebody I've never um, spoken with before who has a lot to bring to the table. She's a real estate industry strategist who consults, speaks, writes, and educates about fair housing, housing equity, and diversity. She's got expertise about realtor associations, multicultural real estate trade organizations, residential real estate, home ownership, especially in historically excluded communities, and fair housing when it comes to history and policy. Uh, she has played a major role in developing home buyer assistance programs for members of underserved communities and much, much more. Uh, Farrah Wilder, good morning. Good morning, Dominique. It's wonderful to be here with you. Great to have you on. You know, um, it's something that a lot of us don't pay attention to until there's something going on with us. We're trying to buy a house, we're trying to sell a house, um, or someone someone in our family is doing that, and then it all comes into um, into focus. But I feel like for the past couple of years, we've been getting these studies, reports, um, and examples of black people trying to sell homes and then finding out that because we are black, our homes will appraise for less. I mean, I've always thought about, you know, like housing covenants and places we were excluded from going, but I never thought it would impact the actual sale. That was a, that was a shocker, I got to say. Well, I think, you know, we're still seeing this unfortunate history of our country um, playing out in the current day um, with systems that were put into place, zoning laws, the way that lending works um, at a time when discrimination was legal. Redlining, we're still seeing the fallout of that. Houses that are in historic areas where uh, we were we were uh, were the only places where people of color could live are now not worth as much, so we don't build equity in the same way. So, and then of course all the terrible news stories of appraisal bias. I, I want to say that sometimes when something comes up in the news, it sounds like it's happening maybe more often than it might be. And, and you know, I don't want to take anything away from everyone who is really trying to do the right thing. But you know, I do think that it does make us more aware of, you know, all of the work that we still need to do in the real estate industry. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of folks don't even realize that there are people like you out there that are working on these issues. You know, how do we, um, you know, how do we get our minds around that? Because I think, especially I'm, we're based in LA. I think you know that. And LA yeah. has such a strong tradition of so many of the things that have excluded people, right? The housing covenants, which were actually written into contracts. You can't, you can't sell this to a black person or a, an Asian person. Um, and th- those were actually laws on the books for, you know, a long, long time in Los Angeles. I'm sure that's not unique to LA, but, um, that's what you're referring to when you talk about our history, right? Yes, and I say our because I still, even though, so I sold real estate for 13 years uh, based in the Bay Area and then um, 
uh, for uh, much of the last three years, although now I'm independent as a consultant, I worked for the California Association of Realtors, which is based in L.A., and when I say our, I'm saying that as a, a real estate community, as a, the, the realtor community, and unfortunately, realtors were involved in in um, promoting this exclusion in the past, um, and they have since um, really done a lot of education in the realtor community about it um, and, and are doing a lot of things. I think this is something we need. I'm so glad that you're having this. We need to talk about what realtors do and what they're doing about these issues because it's not something that is known to people. The, the stories are coming out. We're having, just like many industries, um, a reckoning. And that reckoning, you know, especially, you know, kind of after George Floyd and during that period of time, um, and that reckoning needed to happen. Um, and we're also looking at all of these um, past uh, policies and practices that still continue to impact us. And you can still see on the property records sometimes the restrictive covenant that says only white people can buy this home. And so it reminds us of that. Plus, we now still have uh, big racial home ownership gaps. So I think it's, it's, it's top of mind and it's top of mind for a good reason. And there are some things that we need to to do to start to address the home ownership gaps and challenges, not just for people of color. Of course, there are bigger hurdles and unique hurdles there that we need to understand, but in California in general. And so there are a lot of people um, like myself, and again, I think we need to shine a light on them, whether they're in a, a official um, employment capacity for uh, in the real estate industry, whether they're a policy expert or a diversity expert like myself, or whether they are uh, a person of uh, who cares about working with first-time home buyers, people of color who's out there doing first-time home buyer workshops, and I want to give a shout out since you're based in LA to the Consolidated Board of Realtors, they have been around since I think 1950 or the late 1940s. They are focused on Black home ownership and Black. Uh, real estate entrepreneurship, and they um, have since then been doing first-time homebuyer workshops advocating for programs to help increase black homeownership, and they still do it to this day. And there are other organizations like NORA, the National Hispanic Organization of Real Estate Associates, with chapters throughout California, and they're expanding nationwide. The Realtors are an organization nationwide, and they do the, – the NORA does homebuyer workshops in um, Spanish and English, and there are, are so many professionals, real estate professionals, people who work in this industry who are working on these things, and shout out to the realtor associations who are working to create homebuyer workshops or homebuyer programs, first-time homebuyer programs like California Association of Realtors, and the realtor associations like Sacramento that are doing um, home ownership workshops in the community and advocating for more programs. So there's a lot of work happening. It's it, I'm not trying to sugarcoat uh, the issues that we still have, but um, I think you don't you rarely hear about those things. So I do want to shine a light on that. Yeah, and I when you talk about realtors, that means they're black, right? Um, they aren't. They aren't necessarily black. Anyone can be a realtor. It means that they do. Um, they do support black 
real estate professionals and they support black home ownership. But anyone of any ethnicity can be a member of the who can be a realtor and a member of the realtor organization. Since you brought it up, um, let's go. Let's go all the way back to basics. What do realtors do, or what are they meant to be doing? <laughs> Well, so I think that's a really good uh, thing to talk about because I had clients who would reach out to me. So, I, like I said, I sold houses for 13 years, and they would say, you know, they were interviewing me. They were seeking my assistance, and they go, how will you help me open doors? And I was thinking, that is the most minimal thing that I'm going to do. And, you know, I, I thought I provided a very valuable service. And I also want to say, you know, with, with some of the things going on, there's, there's some question as to whether buyers should pay for their own agent or. Um, yeah, right yeah, now, and we'll get into that. I, yeah, I we'll want to get into that. that. Yeah, we'll get into that because I we need to get real one two three four five one zero one basic because, you know, most of us don't get it. So. So we'll just talk about what realtors do. Like, what does start the- there, and then we'll talk about the changes. Yeah, after that. Okay. And hopefully, we don't have too much change, but. But so what buyers agents usually do, I would say how they how they really I mean, they show properties for sure. But what I would usually do is, especially with a first time buyer, sit down, talk about the process, what what um, they should expect, what the market is looking like um, so that they can understand, you know, really what they can afford if they, you know, talk to them about uh whether they might be looking to use a first-time homebuyer program, connect them with those, um, and then, of course, help them understand all of the costs and point-of-sale ordinances. Different cities have different costs and point-of-sale ordinances. I think in L.A., Compton has where you have to do an inspection before you end up completing a sale. Um, there's sometimes for certain costs. Mm. Losing your phone a little bit, uh, Farrah Wilder is our guest. Um, and you know we're learn we're going to learn about you know the state of real estate. Um, we always talk about generational wealth and buying uh, land, buying homes. Certainly here um, in the Black community, it's become even more of a conversation with the advent of situations like Bruce's Beach and the people getting their minds around. Um, the Black Wall Street and other opportunities where we lost wealth and many folks uh, also looking in the face of gentrification and making moves to regain control or ownership of land. Um, we'll continue the conversation with uh, Farrah Wilder when we come forward. You're welcome in if you have a question or some conversation. 800-920-1580. I'm Dominique DePrima for Unapologetically Progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Talking with Farrah Wilder, she was an Oakland-based realtor for 13 years. Before that, she was a Ruth Chance Law Fellow at the San Francisco nonprofit organization Equal Rights Advocates and a staff attorney at the U.S. Department of Education Office of Civil Rights. And we were talking, uh, she's now a real estate industry consultant, specifically on fair housing and diversity. We're talking about what realtors do, what realtists do, and um, as sort of a baseline for 
you know, what changes we're talking about. So yeah, I was lucky when I bought my house many years ago. I had a realtor who did all of the things you're talking about, helping me understand what I could afford and what I couldn't afford in terms of a payment. I'm looking at all the issues in the market, kind of opening my eyes to the process, you know, what I had to be prepared for uh, so that I wouldn't get discouraged. And I guess you're also saying that so people can keep the houses. Once they buy them, they can stay in them. Yes. I mean, I think um, so... For me, most of my practice when I was a real estate agent was with first-time buyers, and many of them were people of color, so they weren't working. Sometimes they had a family gift, but not always. And so um, I was very sensitive to that. And then what you don't want to have happen as a real estate professional is for you to call and check up on someone and they can't afford a repair or they have something unexpected or a different mm. expense they didn't realize. So so I think working with someone who understands that, and just like in the, if you're going to a doctor, you want to make sure that you're advocating for yourself or making sure that you have the right person to support you. Um, you're not going to someone who mostly helps people sell multi-million dollar homes. If you're a first-time buyer looking at, you know, kind of a starter home, um, you know, you want to make sure that person kind of understands the questions that you're going to have and can help walk you through that. And so that is what someone, um, you know, that is the value, I would say, of, of working with a realtor, a realtor or a realtist or a real estate professional who really understands your needs. And it and they really the the rules and uh, the process really does differ from state to state. I know in New York you have to have a lawyer look at everything. You know, for example, in California that's not how it is. At least it's not um, in in Southern California. I should say. I don't know if different markets are different. Um, so you kind of really have to have someone that does know what they're doing to help you through the process. Absolutely. And I, it, it, to me, it did differ by community. So even in Northern California, if I was getting too far away from my market, for me, if I wasn't working in a market often, I would find someone else and refer to them because what I would hate to have happen is for me to tell someone to be too aggressive or not aggressive enough and for them to be disadvantaged. And then also, yes, the, and the market is changing even within a market uh, on a regular basis. So the customs are changing, you know, if it's more competitive or less competitive, it just depends. We have high interest rates now, so that may shift things around. So yeah, it's really important to work with someone who knows the local market. Looking, Google is helpful, but only to a certain extent, because if you're looking <laughs> at New York information, you're not going to know California markets. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So um, we, there was a you know a lot of um, conversation last week about the National Association of Realtors um, and the possible changes to how folks get paid. Um, and you know, those of us who aren't in your business were like, okay, what does that actually mean? So can you explain it to me like I was actually in third grade? I, I I will do my best. So let me know if I get too complicated. Okay. So, so basically, um, and and I'm not gonna sway into the 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 lawyer territory, but I'm gonna try to keep it high level. So um, there was 
there's now a number of lawsuits, but, you know, and this is an ongoing thing because there's going to be appeals to this decision. But essentially, um, you know, there are some accusations that um, both the National Association of Realtors, which is a trade association, so that's not all real estate agents, but it's just the trade association, and they have rules um, that dictate what MLSs do, which is the multiple listing services um, where the properties are listed. And then also other big real estate companies were all in a conspiracy to set the, the commission price at a certain place and to require sellers to pay a certain pl- price and also for them to pay for the buyer's agent side commission. And so that was, that was what the lawsuit alleged. And then the outcome was that, um, the judge found that you know, the specific allegations, which, you know, what I said was not the specifics, but kind of a broad brush, um, they found in favor of the home sellers that brought the lawsuit. And, um, you know, the, the, the defendants, the industry could be on the, on the hook for, in this case, up to $5 billion or over $5 billion. Wow. And then there's another lawsuit. And so I would say it was disappointing because the the allegations were not my personal experience or my training, um, but that's what we're looking at. So y- y- to your point, there's going to be a lot of um, appeals and a lot of court activity around this, so it's likely to drag on for years, right? Maybe? Yeah. And uh, it, meanwhile, yeah, everything likely. stays the way it is now until what happens in the interim, until they get make their way all the way through the courts. Well, you know, there's some question, um, and again, the lawyers would would be able to explain this in more detail as to whether, you know, some of the rules might might be changed. But right now, um, commissions have always been negotiable. So at least not, I shouldn't say always, but commissions are no, negotiable. So my experience, the rules, the sellers can set um, whatever commissions they want to. They can offer to pay the buyer commission. They can not offer to pay the buyer commission. And that was my experience. Typically, sellers found value in offering to pay the, the buyer's commission and the amount varied um, in my experience. And so um, that may not change, but there's a rising awareness now. Um, and I don't, you know, unfortunately, and I think um, how, wh- how, why this wasn't the case or why people felt like they weren't aware, I'm not sure. But, you know, just the fact that people are having a conversation to say, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. They may decide to do it less. The custom may change. The, the typical way of doing things may change. And so many of us are worried about that because, we talk about the expense of housing. We talk about all of the upfront costs of housing. The people who are studies show going to stand to be most disadvantaged by having additional costs on the buyer side. If buyers are going to, you know, more often now be feeling like they need to compensate their own agent is the buyers who have less generational wealth. We're talking about first time buyers, people who are black, Latinx, um, immig- immigrants who don't have as much family support, um, people from the LGBTQ plus community. So um, we're worried about that. And it, it's it's not going to be so easy, at least the way that loans work right now, um, from what we can see, uh, for buyers to finance their own buyer's agent commission. They may try to go directly with the listing agent. And 
the listing agent really also has a duty to the seller. So if it changes, now nothing may change and the sellers might still find value in doing this. They're, the rules might not change to allow, you know, so it may still be allowed. So it's the hope that, um, you know, things things don't change significantly because right now um, I, myself and a lot of other people find this to be the best thing for consumers, particularly consumers who don't have as much cash. And it already takes quite a bit of cash to put a down payment down and cover all the closing costs. Yeah, so what you're talking about is it becomes more expensive for home buyers because they have to cover the commission of their realtor, which before may have been covered by the seller. And why? Wh- what was? what's the value for the seller in, in, in covering those costs? And, you know, I would, I would argue that, you know, all of the, all of the expenses and everything is based into the value and, and, you know, of the home, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, um, but the, the value potentially to the seller is that they know that more buyers can make offers on their homes. And the more people Mm. who can make an offer on your home, the better it is for your property values, for your ability to actually sell your home. If you have a home um, on the market and most of the buyers in your market who would otherwise be interested actually can't – you know, either get a loan to do that or they, they can't come up with all of the costs and expenses in order to do that. And it, and it may be that the sellers just say, you know what, I'm going to continue to go ahead and cover the, buyer, the buyer's agent commission because the buyers, the buyers themselves can't do that out of pocket and also do uh, afford their down payment and closing costs. Mm. Yeah, we just got about a minute here before news, traffic, and sports. It sounds like this is really a work in progress um, and, and, and it really comes down to what the norm is or what we say the norm is because um, there is n- it's not a, a question of what's legal or illegal unless, in fact, there was a conspiracy on, on the part of these groups um, that has been alleged. Absolutely. There's a lot of customs in the real estate industry. The way that closing costs are decided are are based on customs or what someone can actually do. So sometimes a seller may not be able to cover a certain closing cost or do something. So then, you know, that that becomes a part of a negotiation. Mm. Yeah, we've got news, traffic and sports right here. We're talking with Farrah Wilder and she's been kind enough to be our strategist today. (laughs) She's a strategist for, you know, equity and um, and in the real estate industry on housing diversity. So when we come forward, I want to talk about how do we as buyers or sellers, you know, navigate, circumvent uh, this discrimination that is baked into the cake. It's uh, systemic, as they say. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. You belong here. So glad you are here. Uh, we are speaking with Farrah Wilder. And, man, there's so much to cover because I think, at, to your point, at Miss um, Wilder, Education is needed. Real estate industry consultant on fair housing and diversity. That's what she does. She's been a realtor. She's done a lot of things. And when we talk about this discrimination, I mean, I think about, you know, selling a house, 
and we, we, we touched on this idea that, you know, the same house can get a different appraisal depending on whether black people's photos are on the piano or white people's photos are on the piano. I'm sure that that kind of discrimination happens whether you're buying, whether you're selling, um, whether you're looking. How do we, you know, what suggestions can you give for navigating this short of lawsuits and, uh, you know, protests uh, just in the actual process itself? Right. So hopefully, hopefully you go through the process and you don't have to have such a bad experience. So how do you set yourself up for success? Um, and first, I would say if you as you're getting started, um, look for professionals, um, whether it's the, the agent or the lender who specializes in what you're trying to do. So if you think you're going to need to use a first-time buyer program, find agents who you, who work with those programs, find lenders who offer those programs. And great places to look would be the look, um, maybe find some, you know, look at the re- local realtors um organization in your community. They often are putting on first-time buyer workshops. But NORA is another great organization. That's N-H-O-R-A. Um, and also a HUD-approved counselor um, can help you kind of understand the process. You really want to educate yourself before you find a house you're interested in because you want to make a plan um, and then know how you're going to make your offers and navigate because you don't want to be in love with a house and then um, be trying to, to sort everything else because you're going to be more susceptible to, you know, whatever the seller might, might come your way with and you're not going to be in a great negotiation position. Another place to look is finddownpayment.car.org. So California Association of Realtors has a website where you can put in the city that you're looking in and maybe, you know, I think you can just do that, but if you want to get more specific, you can say I'm a teacher, whatever it is, and it'll show you every program that you can qualify for because there's always kind of different programs. There are two forms in the transaction that you should also look for. So when you're working, uh, particularly with a realtor, because realtors are going to, these are realtor forms, but you can, you know, others, uh, attorneys can draft these forms. You can get the different kinds of forms, but there's a form that realtors in specific use that tell you all of your rights. There's, it's, it's called the, um, Oh, it's the it's like a fair housing and discrimination advisory. It's attached to every purchase agreement in California and also rental agreements and listing agreements. And it lists um, all the rules, all the laws that apply. And then if you were to have a complaint or think you were subject to discrimination, where you would go to make a complaint. So look at that form, have it. Hopefully you never have to use it. And your agent should also be a resource for if you think something weird is going on, you're not getting, you know, the, you're maybe the loan isn't going the way you would expect. Um, you know, kind of talk with some of these uh, um, trusted resources and, and, you know, worst case scenario, you can reach out to the California Civil Rights Department if you think there is discrimination, but hopefully you don't have that experience. So there's a lot of different ways that you can set yourself up for success and work with the right um, professionals who actually um, support uh, folks who are looking to buy a home, their first home, and, and who know all the programs. I mean, but Farrah Wilder, you say hopefully you don't have that bad experience, and and I wish everyone well too. But here's the thing: how would he, how would we even know? If I would have sold my house, for example, how would I know that I was getting a lower value? 
I mean, those folks that did a, that had a white friend go and list the same home. And in one case, I think they got, you know, like half a million dollars more or something ridiculous like that. How would you know? If you don't know, you're just like, oh, okay, well, this must be how it is. So there's a couple of things going on here, and you make a very valid point. So first, I'm going to talk about fair housing testing. And this is um, this is a process. It's a way that fair housing laws are enforced because you are absolutely right that the consumer does not know they're being treated differently most of the time. Right. You know, they're just like, well, this is just the way that it is. And if so folks can Google the Long Island Newsday divided expose. And this is something that happened in Long Island, New York. But a lot of us in the industry are watching this and saying this could happen in a lot of places, you know, and so there were hidden cameras and you can't do that in California where they put fair housing testers and they tested real estate agents. Usually these, this testing happens of rentals, but, and so I would say that, you know, realtors and real estate agents are on the radar. So this is probably going to happen more often to the, on the sales side of things. And the government has been doing this to enforce fair housing laws for, like I said, like 30 years, and they send secret shoppers, essentially, to see if people are treating um, consumers of different demographic groups differently. Everything is the same except race, or everything is the same except some other factor. And there was there was one that was done in Northern California of rentals to see if source of income discrimination was happening, and it was prevalent. So um, so that is one way. But if you're a consumer, let's say you're a seller, what do you do? How would you know? I would say a lot of sellers um, have, you know, are looking at Zillow and Redfin and all the online um, places where you can search. They're not perfect, but people sometimes, if they're trying to sell their home or if they're trying to refinance, they may have a sense if they've just put a, done a lot of renovations of what the value is. And sometimes they know that there's a lower value and there's, I think it's like the Bureau of Appraisers or something. There's like, there's a, there's an entity in California that you can make a complaint to if you feel like you have experienced appraisal bias. Um, Mm. So there's a lot of different places that you can contact. And also a lot of the nonprofit fair housing organizations, um, fair housing, I think it's advocates of Northern California has been on the leading edge of, of appraisal bias um, in the state of California. So they are an amazing resource if you think something is going on because they, they are experts in that, but it is, sometimes hard to know if you are having one experience if you're being treated differently right but I would I would say ask a question you know talk to talk to professionals talk to a nonprofit if, if you think you know you, the the folks that are, are working most closely to you aren't aware aren't aren't um, able to support you when you say Zillow and Redfin and places like that aren't perfect what do you mean by that I mean I know you know it's like Dr. Google you you do need expert help everything you know you you're not going to operate on your own appendix off of what you saw on Google but what are you well, hopefully you're not <laughs> what, but no, what do you mean yes, when you right. say those sites aren't perfect like what what are they well, better for and and not as good for so a lot of times you know we casually scroll the internet and or maybe put in our own house or our neighborhood and, right. and kind of see what things are listed for. And so the list price sometimes may differ widely from, wildly from the sold price. So that's one way that they're not perfect. And if you are not an expert, you might not know all the nuances of that. But even if it gives you an estimated value, um, that is a really broad brush estimate, not based on the specifics of where your home is located, where, you know, whether some, some of the houses that sold had 
much were much more uh, renovated, or where you know some of the houses might have been maybe closer to you know the busy street or next to something less desirable. So you know, for a consumer. So it's hard to say what each house will specifically do based on that broad brush estimate and exactly what all went into that that estimate. So I would not take it as, you know, the actual, actual truth. I mean, sometimes, you know, a home appraisers for lower because the appraisers are looking at things based on a different standard than what the internet is looking at. So, um, (laughs) so I would say, you know, understand that it's not always bias. It's not always discrimination. And and you're also dealing with humans who literally might, you know, take into account things, you know, very differently. They're looking at whether there's a view, you know, whether there's, and they, and they have a particular amount of plus and minus that they will, that they will put on some space is not able to be counted. So you might go, I have this huge home and I love all this space, but actually the entire lower level is not considered something that they can count in the value for the, for the appraisal sake. So just know that, um, you know, all of the, the data that you're taking in, you know, you're, we're, you know, many, all of us, I mean, I don't, I'm not an appraiser either, you know, we're all um, not experts in everything. So, you know, maybe, check in with someone who who does have that expertise to kind of see if they're looking at it the same way but sometimes there is something going on and it's important to you know to to actually advocate for yourself because this is the only way that that this stops mm. yeah i mean you know my shortcut get a black appraiser i mean if they know what they're doing you know they're probably not going to give give you points off for being black. Uh, we're talking with Farrah Wilder, really fascinating information. You know, I know you probably sit back and say, ah, I wish we would do more of this or less of this uh, when it comes to black people, BIPOC people, getting homes, keeping homes, building that wealth. I want to know those secret thoughts that you have when you read and see what's happening in these markets when we come forward on KBLA Talk. 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. Hey, Dad. Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. It's been a fascinating conversation with Farrah Wilder, real estate industry consultant on fair housing and diversity. She spent a lot of time as a realtor and she's uh, done all kinds of things around fair housing and diversity initiatives, policy, education. So appreciate that. Um, When you look at, you know, what you see, uh, particularly black folks doing in this arena, you know, as consumers, I'm not talking about the professionals right now. I'm talking about the buyers and the sellers. Well, all these conversations we're having about reparation, restitution, building um, generational wealth. What do you, what makes you cringe? What makes you say, oh gosh, if we would just do this or stop doing that? Well, you know, it's hard to say because I think, I think so much of, so much of the challenge is not, and I used to tell my, my uh, clients this, I was like, this is not you. You have done every single thing right. You <laughs> saved your money. <laughs> you, you, you have like a master's degree. Of course, you may still have student loans, but you did everything that you were told to do that would supposedly set yourself up for success. And it would have 
set yourself up for success if we weren't in such an, and I would say California is a special butterfly of difficult as far as how expensive it can be in, in certain in certain markets. Um, but you've done everything that you that you were told to do that you should have done, and the price of everything is higher for reasons outside of your control. So we're going to do our best. So I would say, um, you know, I hesitate to put too much on the consumer, but um, I would say what what does make me cringe is that I see a lot of misinformation out there um, about what's going on in the industry and what to do. And, you know, and, and also you have folks who are literally um, afraid to do anything. And so they, they yeah. will not necessarily embark on a purchase because of all of the news. And some of the news is really high level. The sex harassment uh, news, for example, really has to do with, you know, leadership and staff and, and the trade association. So not as much uh, having to do with the consumer, but that can be very intimidating. And so I wouldn't blame someone uh, for for feeling very intimidated, paralyzed, or, or even going down a path that I wouldn't necessarily advise because it's confusing. So I would say, you know, to kind of cut through some of that, you can, you know, maybe start by talking to um, someone you find who is trustworthy, who really does work a lot with first-time buyers and taking it slow and embarking on it. And it may not be the time for you. You might decide, okay, I'm going to learn, but I'm not going to make offers yet. And that's fine. But I would always say to my clients, you you know, the market could shift. You could find the right property. And if you're all set to go, then then you're ready. And it, and if you haven't done that preparation, then you're out of the game. And literally buying a home um for for the for my clients, you know, I don't want to say 100% has put them on the path of building wealth and gaining equity in a way that staying renting has not. And there's a big wealth gap that is attributable to the fact that um, black folks and people of color have a low home ownership rate. So home ownership is just a huge piece of our wealth. We have to be careful when we <laughs> embark on home ownership, mm-hmm. but it's worth it's worth exploring and doing so in a thoughtful way. Man, I wish I would have listened to Eric Thomas and so many of my friends that were like, bye, 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 because I was in that paralyzed state. Oh, well, I can't afford it. It's too hard. I have to have perfect credit. I have to have a million dollars for endowment payment. When we come forward talking with Farrah Wilder, I want to go over just and make sure everyone got, you know, the, the websites that you gave out um, and resources that you gave out for people to get better information, to find out about, you know, assistance for for first-time home buyers or down payment assistance and also you know just your um your thoughts on how to find the best best professional make sure we're not getting scammy scammed along the way it's kbla talk 1580 a safe place to go loud loud a great place for progressive politics kbla talk 1580 the conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now. Dominique DePrima on First Things First. It does, and I really want to thank you for spending the hour with us, Farrah Wilder. She's a real estate industry consultant on fair housing and diversity, and today she's our consultant on that. Um, you, you mentioned a bunch of things. I just uh, went by kind of quick, and I want to make sure folks are clear. Um, one of the things you said is find a HUD-approved counselor. How would we do that if, we, if we're starting to get ready to buy or, or you know, do better in, in selling even? So 
um, and thank, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful uh, uh, talking about something that's so near and dear to my heart, and I really love uh, what you're doing here on the show. So I will say, as far as finding a HUD-approved counselor, and I don't know the website offhand, but actually, if you just Google HUD-approved counselor and homeownership, there are databases that will pop up, and you look for that .gov um, uh up uh, suffix on the website so that'll let you know that you're looking at a government uh, website so and you can search the database for your community so I would say that that is one place where you can find a HUD approved counselor yeah I see HUD.gov <laughs> I just Google yes, I just did what you said yes, exactly. I just did what you said it says <laughs> HUD.gov uh, you mentioned consolidated board of realtors here on the west coast um, and I'm sure they're in similar um, organizations in different places Yes. So if you look at NAREB.com, N-A-R-E-B, I think it's .com or .org, but that is the National Association of Real Estate uh, Brokers. And so that is the the nationwide organization over all of the, the Realtors chapters. And you can find a local Realtors chapter that way. Um, and a lot of the multicultural real estate trade associations work that way. Nora is like that. Um, so I think it's like Nora.com or Nora.org. Um, you can do that with ARIA, which is the Asian uh, Real Estate Association of America, the LGBTQ plus Alliance for Real Estate. You can search a real estate professional that way. There, you know, there's there are real estate agents who are, um, you know, understanding of allies to and aware of some of the specific needs and challenges within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, so many organizations. Um, I would say NID, NID, especially in the Northern California area, which is um, uh, they're a housing counseling organization, and I think the the real they are affiliated with the Realtors, and so a lot of great folks at NID as well. Um, yeah, it, it is dot com, dot com. I just looked it up. Um, the other thing you said was something down payment, uh, something about getting down payment help. A, a website. I didn't get it. Yes. So that's finddownpayment.car.com, and that is the California Association of Realtors Repository of Down Payment Assistance Programs, and it is not just CAR programs. It's it's all all kind of whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's banks. You we hear about Wells Fargo and Bank of America and all of these different banks coming out with different down payment assistance programs, um, and you want to. You, and it might seem confusing, you know, what, what, how do I find out about all of them? There, and also, I would say um, it should include the Cal HFA programs. And so there are a number of California state programs that are incredible wow. that will also show up in that database. So Amazing. all kind of within one place. All right, we got to leave it there. FarahWilder.com. We <laughs> can find out more about FarahWilder. <laughs> com. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Tavis Smiley is up next. You'll have to save my quote for tomorrow. I don't have time. History is now, and we are making it together. Until tomorrow, one love.